0: So the date April 14th, 1912 may sound familiar to you because that's the day that the ship known as the Titanic sank while sailing on its maiden voyage from England to New York. And out of the 2,200 people that were aboard the ship, only 706 of them were saved. Leonardo DiCaprio was not one of them. (laughs) So because they believed the Titanic to be unsinkable, they didn't, they didn't include an adequate amount of lifeboats on the ship in case of an emergency, and they also didn't properly train the crew for emergency scenarios. And so in their panic state... While seven hundred and six people were saved, in their panic state, they they sent the lifeboats away without filling them to maximum capacity. They were scrambling, they were unprepared, there there was a lack of planning, and so it's still one of the the one of the worst disasters at sea in a time of peace in our world's history. And yet it is a disaster that could have been prevented. If only there had been a little bit of planning and a little bit of preparation, but that planning just wasn't there. So we are in the season of Advent right now. And and as I've said multiple times before, that word Advent simply means the coming. And so this time each year while we are in the Advent season, this is a time for us to prepare our hearts for the celebration of the coming of Christ into this world all those years ago. And as we prepare our hearts this year, I'm asking you to remember this truth, that Christ coming into this world to be the redemption for this world was always the plan. Let me say that again. Christ coming into this world to be the redemption for this For this world was always the plan. There has never been a time in eternity that had God panicking. There was never a time in eternity that God was unprepared. There's never been a time in eternity that God had to be scrambling, trying to figure out what he needed to do next because of his lack of preparation. And so as we think about Christ coming into this world all of those years ago, we are reminded once again that Christ coming into this world to be the redemption for this world was always the plan. So last week we, we launched into this new series titled Planned, Promised, Provided. And, and as we're walking through this series, we're, we're looking at, right now at some Old Testament passages where we see God begin to reveal hints of his plan for salvation. To he, he begins to reveal hints of his plan for the coming Messiah. And then uh, what we're going to do starting next week is we're going to begin looking at some prophecies or some promises of the Messiah that would one day come to be the Savior for mankind. And then when we get to Christmas, we're going to wrap this up and put a nice bow on it, and we're going to look at at the story of the coming of Christ. We're going to look at... at the provision of the Messiah by God. Now, if you remember last week, as we looked at Genesis chapter 3, we saw God's encounter with Adam, Eve, and the serpent after the fall of mankind. And we saw these beginning hints of of the plan for the Messiah already beginning to be laid out for us. Today, we're going to continue in the book of Genesis. We're going to fast forward just a bit, and we're going to look at two encounters that God had with a man by the name of Abram. And as we look at these encounters, we're going to continue to see God reveal these hints of his plan for the coming Messiah. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Genesis chapter 12. And then put a finger over at Genesis chapter 17, because we're going to read Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, and then we're going to jump over and we're going to read Genesis 17, 1 through 8. Genesis 12, 1 through 3, and Genesis 17, 1 through 8. And as you're turning there, I want to set this up for you. In Genesis chapter 12, we're going to see God speak to Abram and establish a covenant with Abram. This was a covenant, the covenant that God established here. It was going to be a covenant not just for Abram, but a covenant for for a people, a people that would be established through Abram's bloodline, the people of Israel. And, And so we see God speak to Abram in Genesis chapter 12, but then when we get to Genesis chapter 17, God speaks to Abram again. And when God speaks to Abram again to reconfirm this covenant, 24 years had passed. And then we're going to see that, that when God begins to fulfill his promise and, and they give birth to a son named Isaac, another year had passed. And, and so I, uh, a- Abram was 75 years old in chapter 12. He was 99 years old in chapter 17. And then he was 100 years old when this promise began to be fulfilled through the birth of Isaac. Now, why is this important? Well, I believe that... that It's important because it reminds us of a truth that regardless of how long it might take at times, God is always faithful to fulfill his promises. Let me say that again. Regardless of how long it might take at times, God is always faithful to fulfill his promises. So I was 16 years old when when I first felt God calling me to ministry. And I, I, it was probably around eighteen or nineteen years old. I was a freshman in college when I finally surrendered to that call to ministry. and And, and while I served in different part-time positions over the years, it was really when I was twenty eight years old that that I began serving in. Full-time ministry. And understand, because this was a calling on my life, because I believe that God called me to ministry, I believe that this this was a promise that God had placed on my life, that one day I would be serving in full-time ministry. But but what we see is from the time that I surrendered to ministry, 18 or 19 years old to 28 years old, about 10 years had passed, when that promise was finally fulfilled in my life. And then in 2015, while I was serving as a children's pastor, Sarah and I began to sense that God was calling me to pastor a church. And while my eyes, ears, and heart were open to wherever God might call me, it was ultimately six years later in 2021 when when I believed God fulfilled that promise when he called me to be the pastor of this church. Now, as humans, living in an instant gratification society with microwaves in our kitchen, movies streaming to our TV, phones in our pockets with us wherever we go, which are also computers with us wherever we go, I think waiting can be hard at times. And sometimes we might ask, why am I having to wait so long Let me remind you of this truth once again. Regardless of how long it might take at times, God is always faithful to fulfill His promises. If you are standing on a promise from God, keep standing on that promise from God. If you are seeking the Lord for a promise that He has made to you, continue to seek the Lord for that promise. Understand, if it is a true promise from God then God will bring it to pass in his way and in his perfect timing, regardless of how long it might take. Because God is always faithful to fulfill his promises. Now, on the flip side, if it never, ever, ever comes to pass in all of eternity, then we have to understand it wasn't a promise from God. Because God is always faithful to fulfill his promises. For Abram, after God spoke to him in chapter 12... He was going to have to wait he he had to wait on god to fulfill his promise he had to simply trust god that god was going to bring this promise to pass now as i've already said as we look at our passage today we're going to see god begin to reveal hints once again of a coming messiah but but even with with these hints of a coming messiah Mankind was still going to have to wait. There was going to be generations of waiting before the Messiah would come into this world to be the redemption for this world. God waited for the right time so that He could fulfill His promise of the Messiah. Now, as we fast forward to the days following Christ's resurrection... As Christ is getting ready to ascend, he makes a promise again that one day he is going to return. And so once again, we are waiting now. We are waiting with great expectation for the second advent, for the second time that Christ will come into this world. And this time when Christ comes, he's not gonna come as a sacrificial lamb. This time he is going to come as our ever-reigning king. And so we can rest assured that Christ will return. We don't know the day or the hour, but Christ will return. It may happen in our lifetime. It may not happen in our lifetime, but we can rest assured that one day Christ will return because regardless of how long it might take at times, God is always faithful to fulfill his promises. And so as we look at our passages today, we're gonna see God begin to lay out some, uh, some promises as he establishes a covenant with Abram. So let's look at these passages now. Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 3, and Genesis 17, 1 through 8. It says, The Lord said to Abram, Go out from your land, your relatives, and your father's house, to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Jump over to chapter 17 now. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him saying, I am God Almighty. Live in my presence and be blameless. I will set up my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell face down, and God spoke with him. As for me, here is my covenant with you. You will become the father of many nations. Your name will no longer be Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I will make you the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful and will make nations and kings come from you. I will confirm my covenant that is between me and you and your future offspring throughout their generations. It is a permanent covenant to be your God and the God of your offspring after you. And to you and your future offspring, I will give the land where you are residing, all the land of Canaan as a permanent possession, and I will be their God Now, as we look at this passage, I want to begin by highlighting what we see God call himself there in chapter 17, verse 1. When God speaks to Abram, God says, I am God Almighty. Now, that's the way that it's translated into English. The the way that they wrote that in Hebrew was El Shaddai. And there would have been a couple of understandings. When they wrote those words El Shaddai, there would have been a couple of understandings of what they were saying with those words El Shaddai. When broken down into different syllables, it could be understood that God was calling himself God All-Sufficient. And when we look at the different roots for that word Shaddai... It could be that God was saying that he is the one who pours out blessings or the one who constantly, continually displays his power. And really, I think that all of those meanings, if we look at all of those meanings together, it really gives us an idea of just how almighty God really is. He is all-sufficient, able to accomplish his perfect will and his perfect plan in his perfect time. He is able to pour out blessings and he is able to continually display his power without any strain or effort because he is God. You see, this wasn't just anybody that spoke to Abram. This was God Almighty himself. Now, why does it matter that that it was God Almighty that spoke to Abram here? Well, I believe that it's important because it reminds us of a truth, that the God that is above us desires a relationship with us. Let me say that again, and I, I want you to let this sink in. The God that is above us desires a relationship with us. This was good news for Adam and Eve. This was good news for Abram. This was good news for the Israelites in the Old Testament. It was good news for the disciples that Jesus would call out in the New Testament. And this is still good news for you and for me today, that the God that is above us desires a relationship with us. And the good news is his desire for a relationship with us isn't dependent upon us. Rather, it is fully dependent upon God himself. In other words, God's desire to have a relationship with us isn't because we are awesome and perfect. God's desire to have a relationship with us is because he is awesome and perfect. And because he desires to to display his power, to pour out his blessings, and to show just how sufficient he is by developing, by giving this relationship to the ones that he created. The God that is above us desires a relationship with us. So let me pause right here and ask. Do you realize that the God that is above you, the God that God almighty desires a relationship with you? I think we miss the weight of that at times. God almighty desires a relationship with you. If you're a believer, let that sink into your heart once again, be renewed in the joy That God Almighty desires a relationship with you. And if you've never given your life to to Christ, if if you would say you don't know this truth, that God Almighty desires a relationship with you, then I want you to know that we know that he desires a relationship with you because of Jesus. This Advent season is a reminder to us once again That the God that created us became one of us so that he could display his power, not from heaven, but on a cross by sending Jesus into this world to die on the cross. And let me tell you, when Jesus died on the cross, he revealed to mankind once again just how sufficient he is because... His death on the cross, His sacrifice was exactly what we needed so that we could have this relationship with God, the, the, the relationship that God desires to have with us. So do you realize that the God Almighty desires a relationship with you? And if you don't, then, then I would point you back to Jesus once again. And I would just ask you today to realize that God desires a relationship with you. So it was God Almighty that spoke to Abram in chapter 12 and again in chapter 17. And as God established this covenant with Abram, I believe that we see these beginning hints of the Messiah that he plans to send. We see some some hints of his plan for redemption, some hints of his plan for salvation for mankind. And so I want to look at some of these things that we see in our passage today. First, God's plan is accomplished by God alone. God's plan is accomplished by God alone. Now, I don't have a specific verse that I want to point you to. Rather, I want to direct your attention to all the times that we see God say those two words, I will. In chapter 12, in the passage we read, God said those words, I will, six times. In in chapter 17, the passage we read, God said those words, I will, seven times. God's plan is accomplished by God alone. Now, even after God said, I will, six times in chapter 12, what we see between chapters 12 and 17 is that even for Abram, waiting was difficult, and Abram got antsy. And so, Abram and his wife Sarai took matters into their own hands. You see, Sarai still hadn't become pregnant with a child so that... So that Abram could, could become a, a father and a father to, to nations. So Sarai gave her servant girl to Abram, Hagar. And with Hagar, Abram would have a child. But God's promise to Abram was not, you will make yourself into a great nation God's promise to Abram was, I will make you into a great nation. God's plan is accomplished by God alone. Now, how is this a hint of God's plan for redemption? How is this a hint of God's plan for salvation through Jesus Christ? Well, because once again, God's plan for salvation, God's plan for redemption is accomplished by God alone. There is nothing that you nor I could do to add to the finished work of the cross. Rather, Christ's sacrifice was and is sufficient. Christ's sacrifice was and is enough. Which this is good news for us. Because you and I are not equipped for the work that is needed to provide salvation you and i are not equipped for the work that is needed for uh, to to provide salvation so back when sarah and i first got married we were serving in a church plant with my parents my dad was serving as the pastor i was serving as the associate pastor and while the internet existed at this time this was still before the time that that all, that we, we did all of the online ordering that we do now. This was before Amazon. This was before anything you wanted. You could just, it was at your fingertips. You could have it shipped to you. And so, one thing that we needed at that time was a pulpit for my dad to preach from. And because you couldn't just hop online to, to order a pulpit, I went into my parents' garage and I found some scraps of wood. And I decided that I was going to build a pulpit for my dad. And let me just tell you, that pulpit was garbage. (laughs) That pulpit was not a functional pulpit. You've heard of the Leaning Tower of Pisa. This was the Leaning Pulpit of Oklahoma, all right? It it was not a good pulpit. You see, I recognized that the need was there, but I was not equipped to meet the need. I was not equipped to build the pulpit. So let me pause right here and say this. When it comes to salvation, just because you recognize the need doesn't mean you are equipped to meet the need. When it comes to salvation, just because you recognize the need doesn't mean you are equipped to meet the need. There are many in this world that recognize the need for redemption, that recognize the need for salvation, and just like Adam and Eve tried to cover themselves with fig leaves, or just like Abram and Sarai tried to take matters into their own hands to uh, to to uh, to fulfill this promise from God through Hagar in their own strength, we try in our own strength to 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 meet the need by being good people, by doing good things. We try in our own strength to provide redemption and to provide salvation. But let me tell you, we are not equipped to meet the need. I watched two movies this last week. And in both of these movies, the, the focus was redemption for the main character. The main character needed redemption in their life for for previous poor choices. And in both of these movies, the, the message that Hollywood gave... <coughs> was just be a good person now. Find redemption in yourself now. But let me tell you, if you are looking to yourself to be your redeemer, if you are looking to yourself to provide the ultimate redemption and salvation that you need, let me tell you, you are going to fall short because you are not equipped to meet the need. Because God's plan for redemption, God's plan for salvation is accomplished not by us. God's plan for redemption and salvation is accomplished by God alone. And it was accomplished by Jesus Christ on the cross. And so as we see God establish this covenant with Abram here in the book of Genesis, and we see God use those words, I will over and over and over again, we are reminded that we cannot meet the need, that we cannot accomplish this promise for ourselves, but, but it is God who will accomplish salvation and redemption for us. It is God who has done that through Jesus Christ. So God's plan is accomplished by God alone. Second, God's plan includes change. God's plan includes change. Let's look at Genesis 12.1 and Genesis 17.5 again. Genesis 12.1 says, The Lord said to Abram, go out from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Genesis 17.5 says, Your name will no longer be Abram, Your name will be Abraham, for I will make you the father of many nations. God's plan includes change. Now, the first change that we see God commanding here in chapter 12, verse 1, is God telling Abram to go out. In other words, God was saying, It's not my intention to accomplish my plan and have you stay in the same place, to have you stay where you are right now. Rather, as I accomplish my plan... You have to get out from here. You cannot stay in the same place. Now, I believe that once again, this is a picture of God's plan for redemption. This is a picture of God's plan for salvation because when we come to know Christ, when we come to salvation, God calls us out of something as well. In fact, we read this in 1 Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. God called Abram out of a land, but God has called us out of darkness. And the darkness that God has called us out of is our sin. The darkness that God has called us out of are are the things that, that ensnared us before we came to Christ, those fleshly desires. And so if you've given your life to Christ, I want you to hear me. God is saying to you, you cannot stay in the same place. You have to go out from your sin. You have to go out from the darkness. Now, here's what happens in our lives at times. As God calls us out of darkness and into light, sometimes we think, we have to leave this behind? But God, I don't want to stop doing this. I want to hang on to this. And, And we think that what God has called us out of, that he's calling us out of good things. But God is calling us out of the garbage in our lives and what he's calling us to is far greater. He's calling us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Let me tell you, whatever God is calling you out of, he's calling you into something far greater than what he's calling you out of. You can rest assured that you are not going to be sad that you have left this stuff behind because you are going to be completely fulfilled by Jesus Christ. God has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So the change we see God commanding in verse 12.1 is go out. Then the change we see in verse 17.5, it really isn't a command. Rather, God is proclaiming something as he changes Abram's name to Abraham. Now the name Abram means exalted father, but the name Abraham means father of many nations. And so God changed Abraham's name to coincide with the promise that God was establishing with Abraham through this covenant. And again, I believe that this is a picture of God's plan for redemption for us because when we come to know Christ, when we come to salvation, we are given a new identity. No longer does God call us sinner, but now he calls us saint. No longer are we called lost, but now we are Found No longer are we wanderers in this world, but we are followers of Christ. We are disciples. You see, God doesn't leave us with where we are. He calls us out of darkness, and he calls us into light, and he gives us a new identity in him. When we come to Christ, God changes us. So let me just pause right here and ask, has your life been changed by Jesus has your life been changed by Jesus? Have you come to know Jesus for your salvation or would you say that you are still living in your sin, separated from God, still bearing this identity of sinner? And if you are, then I want you to understand. I want you to understand that you don't have to stay where you are because God's plan for us includes change. All we need to do is call upon the name of Jesus. So God's plan is accomplished by God alone, and God's plan includes change. Finally this morning, God's plan is a blessing for all people. Let's look at verses 12.3 and, and verse 17 again, or 17.7. 12.3 uh, says, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Then verse 17, seven says, I will confirm my covenant that is between me and you and your future offspring throughout their generations. It is a permanent covenant to be your God and the God of your offspring after you. God's plan is a blessing for all people. Now, while this covenant that God established here was initially a covenant for a select people, for the people of Israel, Ultimately, what we see is God revealing this plan that wasn't just going to be for a select group of people, but it was going to be a blessing for all people. And both of these things, for the select people and for all people, both of these things were going to come through Abraham's bloodline. You see, when God, God was faithful in fulfilling his promise to Abraham. And so we see that Abraham and Sarai, they eventually do have a son Named Isaac, and it's through this birth that, that it would lead to Abraham becoming the father of many nations. It, it would lead to the people of Israel. But beyond that, when we look to the very beginning of the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter one, verses two through sixteen, this is the boring genealogy that you might normally skip over, all right? When we look to those verses, Matthew chapter two verse or Matthew chapter 1, verses 2 through 16, we see how Abraham fathered Isaac, Isaac fathered Jacob, Jacob fathered Judah, Judah fathered Perez, and we see the bloodline continue until we read, Methan fathered Jacob, and Jacob fathered Joseph, the husband of Mary who gave birth to Jesus who is called the Christ. And so we see through Abraham's bloodline, Jesus Christ was born a blessing for all people. And he was laid in a manger and he would grow to be a man and he would go to to a cross to die on that cross for the sins of mankind. And so the promise in Christ is not just that a select people can receive salvation, can, can have redemption, but that all people can be blessed, that all people can receive salvation, that all people can receive redemption because because what Scripture tells us is that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord, regardless of race, background, or gender, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. This is a blessing for all people God's plan is a blessing for all people, but I want you to hear me. God's plan is also a blessing for you. In fact, God has a plan. Just as God had a plan for Abram, Abraham, Sarah, just as God had a plan for the people of Israel, God has a plan for your life as well. In fact, I would go so far to say that I don't believe that you were here by accident today. Rather, I believe that you are here by God's divine providence so that you can hear the truth of God's word, so that you can be reminded of the good news of Jesus, or so that you can come to know Jesus for the first time, so that you can come to know Jesus as Lord, so that this blessing that is all for all people can be a blessing for you And so the question that I have as we close today is, do you know Jesus as Lord? This promise that was made all those years ago, this plan that was revealed all those years ago with Adam and Eve and with Abram, Abraham, this plan that God began to lay out all those years ago, a plan that is for us today, do you know Jesus as Lord? And if you don't, then I want to give you the opportunity respond, And so in just a moment, we're going to sing another song. And as we sing this song, this is going to be your opportunity to respond. And if you're here and you would say, I've never given my life to Christ. I don't know Jesus as Lord, but today I recognize that Jesus did die on the cross for me and that his death, his sacrifice was sufficient. And maybe you recognize that you've been trying to do it in your own strength. You've been trying to find redemption. You've been trying to find salvation in your own strength. But today you're ready to find that redemption and salvation in Jesus Christ alone. If that's you, then I would invite you to respond as we sing this morning. I'm going to be standing right down front. Step out of your seat. Come and join me. I'd love to talk with you. I'd love to pray with you. So that you can know this redemption and you can know this salvation in Jesus Christ. Now maybe you're here and you would say, I do know that redemption. I do know that salvation. I have given my life to Christ. But maybe you've never taken that next step of baptism. Baptism is something that God calls all believers to do. It's not for salvation, but it is because of our salvation that we stand before others and we proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord over our lives through baptism. And so if you've given your life to Christ, but you've never taken that step of baptism, I'd love to make that commitment with you today. You can respond. You can come and join me down front and we can make that commitment together. And maybe you're here and you would say, I've given my life to Christ. I've taken that step of baptism. I've been visiting First Baptist Church Stockdale, but I know God's ready for me to become a member of this church, to partner with this church as we continue to walk with and serve the Lord together. If that's you, I would invite you to respond as well. Whatever it is that God's calling you to do in these final moments, I would just encourage you to respond obediently. Would you stand with me right now, and let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Thanks for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of every service, I offer an invitation to respond, and I'd like to invite you to respond today. If you'd like to make Jesus Christ your Lord, or if you'd like information about membership here at First Baptist Stockdale, then head on over to fbcstockdale.org respond. Your response will come directly to me, and I'll follow up with you this week. God bless you, and have a great week.